0: Turn with me, if you will, please, to Acts chapter 1. Over the last two or three weeks, I have been thinking about what's Jesus doing right now? What is our ascended Lord doing right now? And I hope that this will spark your own questions in yourself as you realize more and more what he is doing, more and more of how he directs your life, and more and more of our need for him. Acts chapter 1, at verse 6, this is God's word, let us hear him. as you saw him go into heaven. May God bless this reading and hearing of his word to our hearts and, and to our lives. In the Apostles' Creed, the phrase, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father is something that we confess from uh, time to time. Do we really understand that? No. No. Impossible for us human beings to understand how somebody could ascend up into to heaven and there to be seated at the right hand of the Father. But we believe what the Bible says. We have an ascended Lord who is controlling the universe by the word of his power. And we rejoice in that. And what Luke, the writer of Acts, is, is telling us, is that in his first book, as he wrote to Theophilus, he wrote about the things that Jesus began to do. If you look back at Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, in the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And then in verse 5 it says, You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. And that would be the continued ministry of Jesus as he carries out his plan of redemption. And there's a book that uh, John Murray wrote called Redemption Accomplished and Applied. And some of you have probably seen that book and maybe have, have read it as Jesus came to this earth to accomplish all that the Father gave him to do in the salvation of His people, and then to ascend to heaven and there to send back His Spirit to apply what He had done uh, in, on Calvary's cross and, of course, through his, his, his life. And so we're grateful that that's what Jesus continues to do. He came to seek and to save the lost. And when we have brought, been brought to that point, where we acknowledge that we are lost, and that Jesus is the one who is seeking us and has found us, then we can praise Him. I was talking to somebody this week about the different religions of the world and trying to explain, you know, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. And all the religions of this world are man trying to find a God somewhere. But Christianity is God seeking and finding man and drawing us unto Himself. And that's the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ from the throne, from the right hand of of the uh, Father. Jesus told His disciples this was what was going to happen. If you turn with me to John chapter 16 and verse 7. John 16 and verse 7. He says, I tell you the truth, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Over and over in the book of John, you have Jesus saying, I've got to go away. Listen to these words. I go to my Father, and now I go away to him that sent me. I leave the world and go to the Father. To Mary Magdalene he said, I am ascending to my Father. Now the disciples, when they were trying to grasp this and trying to understand in some way, uh, they could not uh, comprehend how many people did they know of who had ascended up into heaven. How many people do you know of who have ascended up into heaven? There's only two uh, that the Scripture tells us about. Of course, Jesus is one, and you know that Elijah uh, is the other. And in 2 Kings 2.11, it says this, "...as they continued on, Elijah and Elisha, and they talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind." That happened eight or nine hundred years before uh, the disciples lived on on this earth. and that was hardly something that would help them to understand uh, what would Jesus was going to do when he would say, "I'm going to my Father, I ascend up unto my my Father." Yet Luke records for us that Jesus was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now is that an illusion? Is that a Star uh, Trek uh, beam-me-up Scotty uh, type of uh, saying? Uh, The molecules disappearing here and appearing somewhere else? Uh, No. This is a reality of moving from the physical aspect of this earth up into the physical clouds, up into heaven, and to be there for uh, for uh, forever that was the the movement from this earth to heaven of jesus himself do you believe that do you believe that that's uh, what happened to him and that someday that's going to happen to you even if your body is in the grave you're going to be reconstituted uh, in, in your body and you're going to rise up into the clouds is that what you believe Is that what you would tell other people and not worry about what they think? You know, that you're not ashamed, but that's what the Bible says. That is what we believe, isn't it? And that's what we see. Uh, There was one called Stephen who, uh, as he was fixing to die, he looked up and he said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. You remember that in the book book of Acts. And uh, so that dimension was opened up to him. And it's opened to us through his word as we look and see our ascended Lord. But what does it mean that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father? Well, it means that he is the king. It means that he is the ruler over all things, that he has authority over all things. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 at verse 20. This is talking about the, the power that uh, God works in His people and, and the power in verse 20 that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one uh, to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus is the king. He is the ruler. And this includes authority over the angels, as Peter says in 1 Peter 3. Uh, I hope that that's who you see today as the king over your life because he's seated at the right hand of the Father to affirm that he is there for our sakes. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father for our sakes. Hebrews 9 24 says, Christ has entered heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. That is, on our behalf. What in the world is the author to the Hebrews uh, talking about? He's comparing the work of the high priest and the Old Testament uh, to the work of the real priest, the one that the the Old Testament priest pointed to, even Jesus. That once a year, the Old Testament high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant sat along with the the mercy seat. Listen to these words from Hebrews 9. Into the Holy of Holies, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood which he offered for himself and for the people's sins. And then the writer goes on to say that Christ came as the high priest and entered in not with the blood of goats and calves but with his own blood. And he did this one time never to be repeated Again, He and he alone has obtained eternal redemption for you and me, for those who are called into his presence. So the scripture says that Jesus entered into the heavenly sanctuary, there to be in the presence of God for us so that we, by faith in him, united to his death, united to his resurrection, could enter also so that we would not be cut off because of our sins as we come united to Christ. So he shed his blood, he was resurrected, he ascended to heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. What does it mean that he is there for our sakes? Well, he intercedes for us, doesn't he? People quote that, uh, he intercedes for us without ceasing, And people usually think, well, he's praying for us continually. And it does mean that. But it means far more uh, than that. It means that he shed his blood. He paid the penalty. He and he alone could enter into the Holy of Holies. And we dare not enter in without his blood. That he intercedes for us by presenting himself continually before the Father so that we can come you believe that? That's the only way you can come? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Do you want to tell other people that's the only way they can come? We need to tell people that no other death will bring them into the presence of the Father. Our death cannot bring us into the presence of the Father. Our works cannot bring us into the presence of the Father. Only what Jesus has done can bring us into our Heavenly Father's presence. And so Jesus is offering himself continually So we can do that. He also directs our lives. He sends forth His Spirit. He told the disciples, I'm not just going to be with you physically. I'm going to go away so that I can come back and be with you spiritually. I can be with you always. That could not happen until He ascended to the throne of the Father. And so that means that when He is with us, I think as I preached before on Romans 11 that in him we live and move and have our being and that he is the, the one that of him and through him and to him are all things. That You cannot take a breath without his presence. And seven billion people on the face of this earth cannot take a, a breath without his control. He brought all mankind into existence and mankind continually. Continues to exist because of God's providence. And because of God's providence to us, and because we live in Him and have our being in Him, He, t- he, in, he tells people everywhere that they need to repent and to come unto Him. Why? Because of the judgment day coming. And then everybody will realize His presence. Some for everlasting wrath, and others to everlasting glory. But dear people, he especially directs the lives of his people, those that he has called unto himself. Proverbs three, five and six, which is a verse that Fran and I claim as kind of our theme of verse for everywhere we go and whatever we, we do. When we change uh, plans and like moving from Biloxi to Moss Point, from Moss Point to Hattiesburg, and then back to Biloxi, uh, we acknowledge him. Uh, he said, don't lend your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path." So it's as we are acknowledging him, as we are recognizing who he is, as we are claiming him as Lord over our lives, and as we are submitting to him as those who have been bought with a price, he says, I will direct your path. I will direct you moment by moment and day by day, and we praise him that that's what He does from the throne of grace, from the presence of the Father. And also because Jesus is in the presence of God on our behalf, He tells us to set our minds on things above. It's only as we focus on Him, it's only as we focus on His presence before God, that life here takes on its real meaning. You can tell people, Did you know that God made you for fellowship with Him? And they may look at you kind of, you know, with a, so what, you know, attitude, but look, God made us for fellowship with Him. And the only way that we can have fellowship with Him is by faith in Jesus Christ, by faith in His shed blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. We could not be forgiven. We could not come into the presence of God. So God tells us, that we are to live for His glory. Glorify God in all things. Don't you love the first question of a sort of catechism? What is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. I think Presbyterians get the first part and we miss out so often on the second part. We can glorify God by living good lives but to really enjoy God moment by moment and day by day is what Christ by His Spirit brings us to moment by moment and day by day to enable us to be all that He wants us to be, all that we can be for His glory. And also from His throne, He tells us that He's going to continue this ministry, he's going to continue this ministry of love forever. Now, Paul says he's loved us with an everlasting love. And if if you want to tell people about that everlasting love, you have to experience that everlasting love. You have to say, you know, I am loved forever. I've been loved actually from before the foundation of the world. And I'm going to be loved forever in heaven. People say, well, you can't know whether you're going to heaven or not. Well, I hope that each one of you can say, look, the Bible has revealed to me that by faith in Jesus Christ, I can know that I'm going to be in heaven. These things are written unto you that believe, that you may know that you have eternal life. And you can point them uh, to that verse of Scripture, 1 John 5:13, and tell them, read it and read it and meditate upon it. You can know. But by his continued work, he also sends to us his Spirit and he directs us into truth. Uh, He says that that's what the Holy Spirit will do. He will direct us into the truth about what? Sin and of righteousness and judgment. You don't know anything about sin. People say, oh, I know what's right and wrong. But we really don't know what sin is until we have read the Scriptures and we are convicted by the power of God's Spirit of what sin is. We sin against Him every day. We, we, don't, we, we break the first commandment every day, don't we? We don't keep God first in our lives. And when God convicts us of that, then we say, oh, well, I'll just confess that and then continue to live the way that we're living. That's not what honors Him. What honors Him is we repent. We repent. We repent of that and say, Lord, enable me more and more to put You first in my life Always. It's not going to happen until we get the glory. But still, that attitude of the heart that says, Lord, you know my heart. You know that this is what I want, and I want to be more like you. And so he leads us into the truth of his word and the truth of righteousness, that there is a righteousness that we need that's in Christ, and there's a righteousness that, that we need to live out day by day. And there is a judgment to come. You remember John the Baptist when he saw the Pharisees coming and he was baptizing and he asked them the question, who warned you, these religious leaders, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? When I am called upon to preach a funeral of somebody I don't know, that's a difficult thing, but I try to somewhere in the message say there is a wrath to come and there is a way of escape from that wrath, and that's through Jesus Christ. Even if I don't know the family, I still try to tell them, that I know that that is the only way that we can get to, to heaven, and I try to proclaim that. The Scriptures tells us that no man can come unto the Father unless uh, the one who sent... No, no one can come into Jesus unless the Father which sent him draws him. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? To draw us unto himself, to be one coming from eternity, to draw us unto Himself through the blood and through the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. He equips His people. He's he's ministering from the throne to equip His people, to bring a group of people together so that we together might glorify God together and that the world might see there's something different about these people because of the way they love each other who gives us that kind of love uniting love it's a love that Jesus has it's a love that that uh, we pray for it's a love that we need to demonstrate uh, day by day uh, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield some of you may have heard of her she spoke at First Prayer Between Church this past Friday night I didn't get to go but she used to be a lesbian She was teaching in a uh, university, I believe, in in New York. And a couple, a pastor and, and wife, loved on her. And loved on her. Invited her to their home. And loved on her. And so loved her that they demonstrated Christ's love. And she accepted Christ. And now she's married, and I believe she has children. Uh, I think that uh, the I know that the uh, video of that talk Friday night you can get from the bookstore in uh, in Jackson at First Presbyterian Church. I've already ordered it, so I hope that I can get to hear that sometime soon. The mystery of how God calls out of every nation, out of every tongue, out of every, out of every tribe, a people. To Himself. We are part of that people that have been called to Him. Called to recognize an ascended Lord who controls all things, who controls our lives. We're under His authority. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. May God help each of us to recognize who our ascended Lord is and recognize that we want to Declare Him in our lives. And may we be found faithful in doing that day by day. May God be pleased to bring that about in our lives. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we praise You and thank You for sending Your Son so that we by faith in Him could dwell in heaven. But right now, until that time comes to enjoy You, And to enjoy our Lord. And to enjoy all the ministry that he has in our hearts and lives. And the lives of his people. As we gather together. And as we declare your name together. And we praise you and thank you. In Jesus name. Amen.